Hello and welcome to the 3H2 Humans Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Possibility Radio Show. Each episode, Lynn and Mustachio will explore continuums of meaning, varied perspectives, and thought seeds to place in the garden of the mind. Who knows what will grow? So sit back, stand up, drive or jog, whatever the motion may be, we are here to support each individual's journey to define health, happiness, and a humble perspective during the information era. Enjoy. Greetings! Today is February 27th, 2017, here in icy <laughs> downtown Spokane, Washington. We've had a bit of snowfall. And I think we'll probably have a few more light dustings, one more good dump in the snow, and then spring will be here. March is two days away. <laughs> and things start to clear up around here, usually the second week of March. A lot of the snow has melted. So around that time, I'll begin to look for crocus. They tend to be one of the first bulb flowers which bloom. They're beautiful, oftentimes in a purple and white color. For me, they often symbolize the beginning of spring. So I do hope to see one of them soon. All right, for today's show, we will be going over 10 unique daily habits. The show was recorded Back in the winter of 2015, I believe around January, I do give the date at the beginning, and that recording will be at the end of the show. (laughs) Mustachio and I were going over the format and listening to past shows, thinking about how we want to progress forward, and we realized some of the formats in the last shows were confusing, and it was difficult for us to grasp (laughs) what was going on in a bigger picture sense. Moving forward, we are going to work on this and I'm going to give more of a conscious effort to explain what's going on and the different segments in the show. And on that theme, we will be adding new segments to the show with other professionals. The professionals come up with five lists, 10 lists, little thought seeds from their particular industry. And that's one of the things we want to do with the show is to create that mastermind symposium of infinite possibility. (laughs) Even though the show name has been shortened simply to the 3H2 Humans radio show, we do want to keep that masterminding symposium open. And what that means, masterminding is people coming together to put their thoughts in a pool, similar to a food item, where if it was simply one ingredient, if it was just broccoli, it wouldn't be as tasty as if it were broccoli and Brussels sprouts, salt and pepper, a little Italian seasoning. That's what a mastermind does, is it adds a bit more flavor to something. That's what the professionals will begin to do, is to add a bit of flavor. And the symposium refers to a gathering of different specializations together to display one's own unique thought. So the masterminding is more of 
coming together and a symposium part is for people to say, hey, this is what I think. And then the infinite possibility reminds me to keep an open mind that even though something may be unfamiliar or a bit scary, whatever it may be, to be open to infinite possibilities. This is because beliefs change regularly. As a person grows and evolves and learns more about the environment and themselves and others, thoughts change. Beliefs change, paradigms change. These concepts are meant to be flexible and pliable and move around. That's where the infinite possibility comes in. Simply because I believed something yesterday, that doesn't mean I'm going to believe it today or tomorrow. Each day offers a new perspective. Yes, so we are excited about that to really bring home the Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Possibility. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in the announcements. But if there is anyone out there who is interested, shoot me an email and we will begin the masterminding. Okay, an overview for the show. We have our listener challenge number 22, which is create a chart card. The 10 list of unique daily habits. I'll briefly go over these and talk about whether or not they remain unique daily habits, even though two years have passed since the original recording. And our two five lists for today. The first one is a five list for Spokane hotels. These are hotels I've visited in the Spokane area. And the second one is a five list for music albums. I've been listening to a bit more music lately, even though I myself am not a music producer. (laughs) I failed song flute. I'm one of those. (laughs) Very little ability to play a musical instrument. I have a great appreciation for music. And I think that shines some light on that as a subject where simply because a person is unable to do something themselves that doesn't mean that there's a lack of appreciation for whatever that may be it's healthy to appreciate things which are challenging that's one of my life practices is to embrace things which are a challenge and for me a lot of time that's where the living takes place in that challenging arena. And then once a challenge is approached and assessed, then I enjoy a time of rest. So it's a cycle. And for me, this works well to embrace challenges, to get out there, and then to kick back and reflect on what those challenges mean for me moving forward. And then after the five lists, we have the announcements and then the recording of the 10 list from 2015. Uh, (laughs) Back then, I rambled a lot more. I believe, how, how much mustachio? A great deal, about 40 minutes or so. I'm talking about things in my life and assessing behavior, talking about consciousness, And then I briefly touch on the 10 list. (laughs) And who knows? 
Maybe that format is more enjoyable. I'm not sure. But I have moved towards flipping it where there's less of the free monologue and more of the focused attention towards the 10 items. So any feedback is appreciated. All right, let's dive into the listener challenge for today. Listener challenge number 22, create a chart card. Cold winter days often bring with them decreased productivity and a lack of motivation. To fight winter blues, create a chart card. In other words, measure task completion in binary terms of complete or incomplete on a three by five lined note card. On the very left side of the card, write six actions desired to complete on a daily basis. Choose three health categories, such as jog or eat fresh veggies, and three profession categories, such as update website and clear inbox. At the top of the card, mark Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and all the days of the week to include the numeric date. Next, draw lines to create a grid with categories of action on the left and the date at the top. Mark a line inside corresponding boxes when a task is complete. For an example of a chart card, sign up to the 3H2Humans newsletter. Okay, for this listener challenge, it's a little different than many of the other ones we have proposed. This one is more instructional on how to create the specific card rather than convincing someone this is a good idea. (laughs) I think most people have experienced in life that having some form of pink zone tangible accountability dramatically improves chances of success. And what I mean by pink zone tangible, that's something which a third party is able to ingest without further knowledge. For example, this chart card, I can show it to someone and show my progress in binary terms. (laughs) So binary terms is ones and zeros an action or lack of action. Did I do something or did I not do something? So there will be a mark in a box or there will be no mark. And that's how the accountability works. Was something done or is it blank? Was it not done? At the end of the week, I'm able to look at my progress and measure in an objective way what was completed. Yeah, it's uh, kind of funny. Mustache and I were joking about this, about the power of the chart card, about uh, simply writing something down and having accountability outside of one's own head. That's another component of pink zone tangibility. It's outside of someone's head and measurable by another. This is a similar meta to what mentoring is. Accountability coaches, life coaches, mentors in general, and employers, family members, people of a seemingly higher ranking in some sort of a way direct a person. And (laughs) I've heard many people on podcasts who are mentors and coaches and they'll say, oh, this company made $200,000 more when I was mentoring them 
and my systems work. This is proof of that. And I, ugh, I think in terms of scientific measurement, that's an invalid statement for a coach or a mentor or someone to claim sole responsibility for something else's success. I think an interesting experiment would be if that same company who made $200,000 more because of that one coach, what if that person did a chart card and just had a three by five note card to track progress instead of a human? That's really what it is. It's motivation and accountability. That's what coaches, mentors, and many professionals provide. And this can be achieved on one's own. It takes discipline and about $5 <laughs> instead of discipline and thousands of dollars. So I do encourage people, if there's a desire to seek a coach or a mentor or pay a couple hundred dollars to someone for forward progress, use a chart card first. Give it a go for a week. If there's any questions, send me an email. I'm pretty good about answering them. And I will help guide through this process because I feel it is huge. It's been responsible for a lot of my success. And this week I'm doing a chart card. And that's one of the reasons why I'm recording today. I have a radio show box. Each day I need to spend time on the radio show, about an hour a day. If I didn't have that card, and I didn't a couple weeks ago, I wasn't doing them, I oftentimes stayed home and did laundry and cleaned up the house, did chores, did other things that I felt were more pressing. And that's what the chart card does, is it prioritizes. The chart card is number one for that day. It's a reasonable amount of things. I can do it with about six hours of effort. That's what it is, it's a six hour, sprinkle of time throughout the day. In a sense, I don't fully gain peace until the chart card's completed for the day. <laughs> That's when my day ends. It's not when I go home or when I go to bed or any of those other things. My day is complete. My productivity part of the day is done when I finish the chart card. And another thing this does is it frees my mind. A couple weeks ago, when I wasn't doing the chart card, I wasn't really productive and I wasn't really relaxing. I was chaotic in my priorities, disorganized. I didn't feel like I was accomplishing anything. Similarly, at the end of the day, when I want to relax, I would feel uncomfortable. I didn't have that sense of peace because I didn't have a solid measurement of my accomplishments of some sort of way to say, hey, today was a success. That's what a completed chart dart, <laughs> that's what a completed chart card does. It offers a little token that says, today was a success. And I needed that. I was experiencing seasonal depression and I wasn't as clear headed and intelligent and conscious as I would like to be, and I recognize this. I was able to put on the brakes and say, hey, I don't feel like me. I don't feel rested and I don't feel productive. 
those are the two things that I seek for my mental well-being. Am I productive and am I resting? I experience complications with both of those. With the chart card, <laughs> it's much easier. And another great thing about this is it's free. This is all free. It doesn't cost, well, okay, Mustachio corrects me. The three by five note card will cost a few dollars and a pen to write on it. <laughs> That's a lot less expensive than signing up for some life coaches program and talking about dreams as a child and goals in the future. I think all that is nonsense. What is gonna help a person get on a positive track is productivity and rest. <laughs> okay, so that's the chart card. Sign up for the newsletter. We are going through many changes and the newsletter will be up and running soon. Now is a good time to sign up for it and check it out. If it's interesting, great, keep it. If it's not, then unsubscribe. But I do request that people give it a shot. It would mean a lot to me <laughs> to be able to interact and communicate with the 3H2 community as we develop the newsletter. For me personally, there are very few newsletters that I enjoy receiving. And I've analyzed the ones that I enjoy and the ones that I don't. And one of the key components is positivity. I didn't like it when I'd get a newsletter, oh, do you think life is garbage? Well, everybody sucks and I don't wanna hear that. Why, why create a newsletter that's just gonna spread more nonsense and negativity? That's, that's not a goal. So we will aim to keep it positive, informative, supplemental to the show, as well as offer tickets. Uh, last year we did a Neil deGrasse Tyson giveaway this year we will be doing an Alton Brown, Alton Brown Eat Your Science giveaway. He's awesome. Check him out. He has a show on the Food Network. Alton Brown. Neat dude. And things like that. Useful. <laughs> Useful and positive. That's the goal of our newsletter. And of chart cards. <laughs> So create a chart card. Uh, there will be an example on the website. For me personally, I keep mine taped to the inside of my notebook. I have a notebook and then the chart card is right on the inside flap because I keep my notebook with me and then this way I have my chart card. In the past, I would stick it in my pocket or throw it in my backpack. Over time, I've realized that it's beneficial to combine the daily carry items. All right, listener challenge number 22, create a chart card. Help groom self-accountability. I think this world will benefit from each individual giving a conscious effort towards improving a skill of self-accountability. It's a skill, it takes time. It's like throwing a three-point shot takes time, practice, muscle memory, these types of things. Build them up, build them up and move them out. <laughs> All right, next we have the 10 list unique daily habits. I'm going to run through them and give a little sprinkle of information as to whether or not I continue these habits. 
two years is quite a bit of time. And it was neat to listen to the development of these habits. Okay, number one, jog, kettlebell, meditation oasis podcast. Number two, 100 trinket photos per day. Number three, conscious of subconscious word selection. Number four, chart card for Monday through Friday must do tasks. Number five, learn and be productive. Screenshot podcasts. Number six, reflection right, time to slow down and think. Number seven, vegetarian, conscious of food, probiotics. Number eight, neighbor to the world, earth as a single organism. Number nine, whiteboard with note card accountability. And number 10, aware of environment, create own reality. So this list is of things that were a part of my daily life in 2015. Number one, Jog Kettlebell Meditation Oasis podcast. I do continue to do this. I've started it back up recently and tend to stop and start this practice depending on what's going on in my life. And I've recognized that I'm much happier when jogging, weight training, strength training, yoga, tai chi, stretching, meditation, and dancing. Yeah, Mustachio points out dancing, getting the wiggles out. That's also a part of this. It's about moving the body as intended. We as modern humans are far removed from even our ancestors 200 years ago. Not that long when the whole of human evolution is looked at, our lives have changed dramatically. And there are mental changes and upgrades and shortcuts in the environment, which biologically we haven't caught up to yet. An example of that is driving a car to and from work. One of the main ways to get exercise is in daily travels. Modern humans do very little walking in daily travels, whereas in the past, many people would walk up to a mile to either go to or from work or the store, a friend or family member's house. There was a lot more movement. Also with chores, something like washing clothes. That was a big task. Now, I just grab it, throw it in a machine, push a few buttons, grab it out, throw it in another machine, push some buttons, and I'm good. That bending and moving and reaching and grabbing and pushing and pulling and all of those ings don't take place. (laughs) This is why I feel it's important for modern humans to be conscious of exercise and of modern living. Find ways to incorporate exercise into daily life. For me, I jog at work. I have a little plastic cabinet with clothes and shower stuff. And after a couple tasks and the sun comes up, I go for a jog. Then I come back, dim the lights, and do some kettlebell exercises and stretches. As I gaze out the window, and listen to Meditation Oasis podcast. This schedule helps me to be more productive. 
I've noticed on days where I don't work out, I'm more sluggish. It's kind of strange. And it goes back to how I spoke before about kinetic energy, where the movement of something creates energy. So rather than thinking, I don't want to jog because that's going to waste my energy, I say I do want to jog because it's going to create energy. And also the stretching and moving helps relieve tension and stress. It calms me down. I feel more comfortable. My posture is better. I'm ready to be productive after I've expended energy and thus created energy. And I encourage people to figure out what their components are for daily exercise. And for someone else, it could be walking the dog in the morning and in the evening and parking the car far away from the building instead of the very closest spot, park a bit down, get a little more exercise, use the stairs instead of an elevator. Do little things each day to create movement and to expend energy to create energy. Number two, 100 trinket photos per day. Oi. <laughs> yeah, Mustachio and I, we continue to wonder how to approach this. And we have been continuously putting it on the back burner, but it will come up as a chart card subject in the future. And that is trinkets. What are trinkets? What do they do? What is their purpose? What is the system? These things do not have pink zone tangibility. I have not documented them in a way that a third party can ingest them. It's all in my head. <laughs> so the trinkets are a bit of a mystery to people. Anyone who came to our grand opening and received a gift bag, there was a trinket inside that gift bag. And what I do with these trinkets is each day I put forth a conscious effort to take 100 pictures of my environment, where I am, what I'm doing, the weather. I also like to document construction sites. There's many large-scale projects that I happen to cross in daily life. The Washington State University new football stadium. I was a student when it was being built and I jogged up the stairs in the tower near the stadium. That was a part of my daily practice back then, and I took pictures of the construction site. The trinket photos have a multitude of benefits, but two main ones. I would say it helps me to practice present moment awareness. I stop what I'm doing, I place the trinket down, and I observe. And there are many parameters <laughs> for a trinket photo. Ideally, there's no people. It's only of the environment. That's what the trinket photos are about. Not about people doing things, but what is being observed rather than the observer. So I set the trinket down, I scan, and line up a picture where there's no people, just scenery. This takes conscious effort and helps me to be in the present moment. And then I need to reach down and grab the trinket and put it back in my pocket. That's where the second layer comes in for the trinkets. 
a handful of times I leave it. I forget. I leave the present moment and drift somewhere else. Rather than being consciously aware, I start to operate on a subconscious process and just go about my day. Most of the time, a few minutes later, I check my pocket, it's gone, and then I need to go back and figure out, okay, where was I? When did this happen? And that exercise of retrieving the trinket helps me to get back into the present moment. Overall, the trinket photos are a present moment exercise because I need to be consciously aware in order to place the trinket down, scan for the parameters of the photo, take the photo, then retrieve the trinket. It's kind of like, yeah, <laughs> Mustachio has a good point. It's kind of like the people who do the, the hand grippers, you know, those like uh, squeezy things for forearm workouts, just, or, or yeah, like a little squeezy ball. It's just a little thing that adds up over time. It symbolizes effort towards building the muscle of present moment awareness. And I do continue to do this. I have been doing it for a few years. <laughs> and many people have seen my trinkets. For the most part, I like to keep it on the low. In the past, when I first started doing this, part of the photo was that no one would see it, that it was a stealth operation. And it was funny. <laughs> I was working at a restaurant at the time and I was taking a picture of the dining hall, empty, all set up, it was beautiful, and set the trinket down and took a picture and a coworker walked by and I retrieved the trinket. And then he kind of looked at me funny and said, I saw your little toy. <laughs> In a fun and playful way, it's uh, been an icebreaker for me in many ways too, where people see me taking the trinket photos and ask, what is that? What, what are you doing? So that's what I'm doing, taking trinket photos. <laughs> Number three, conscious of subconscious word selection. I do continue to do this and listening to the past recordings compared to now, I have increased my ability to consciously formulate words. I don't claim to be an expert. I don't claim to be perfect. I use pish posh words. I speak from a subconscious process. These things do happen. It's my aim to decrease the amount of instances. And in editing the footage from 2015, there were a lot more. I missed many of them and continued talking, but some of the subconscious word selections I caught and then I changed them. And in doing so, in catching myself and changing them, I'm rewiring my brain. I'm training my brain to do the second thing, to instead of say that thing is good, to say that thing is useful. Useful is still a bit vague, but less vague than good. It offers some sort of a direction into where my thinking is. And I encourage people in general, especially podcasters, to listen to recordings. I 
know yet. Mustache and I were talking about this. We were thinking that probably nine out of ten podcasters don't listen to their shows. And this is for a variety of reasons. But I, I think one of the reasons why 3H2Humans radio show is unique is that I do listen to it. I'm a listener and a host. <laughs> and I think that is one of the reasons why my ability to speak consciously is heightened because I edit my own material. Even for people who aren't speakers, it's relatively easy to record a speech or something, some sort of monologue on a smartphone, put it on a computer. I use Adobe, Adobe Audition, and edit. Just uh, get the mouse and cut stuff out, remove dead air, and create an optimized version of speech and listen to that. I think that's extremely powerful to hear a speaker who uses the word you correctly and speaks from a conscious process because it's rare. I have found very few speakers who speak from a conscious process. So think about that. (laughs) Number four, chart card for Monday through Friday must do tasks. I do continue to use chart cards and am doing one right now. We went over that, so I'm gonna just move on. (laughs) Number five, learn and be productive screenshot podcasts. So with the learn and be productive, this has been an important part of my learning and productivity is that I listen to a podcast while I improve the environment. And what I mean by that is I'll listen to a speaker such as Malcolm Gladwell and I'll do the dishes or I'll dust or remove clutter, just do some sort of way to improve my environment while I'm learning about someone else's perspective. This is compared to watching a video and being stagnant or reading a book and being stagnant. Those two modes of learning require much more attention. They require visual attention in order to fully grasp what's going on. And that decreases mobility. The audio form of learning, especially with modern devices, is incredibly efficient. It's portable, and I'm able to offer the environment my eyes. I don't need to read pages on a word. (laughs) I don't need to read words on a page. I can look at the house and figure out what can I do to improve my environment. I've only been doing this for a couple years, and I think it's huge, really big. (laughs) Because imagine a person who spends Let's just say this weekend, 12 hours of a weekend, reading a book, sitting down, reading. Now imagine that same person spends the same 12 hours listening to speakers, but cleans out the garage, shovels snow, catches up on laundry, chops vegetables. Imagine their two different environments. The person who sits and reads a book is still going to need to conduct the rest of those chores at some other time. 
But the person who uses a podcast or some audio form of learning is able to multitask. Come Monday, I imagine the person who has all their ducks in order and the house chores taken care of is going to enjoy work Monday morning much more than the person who did not. And that's what cracks me up when I ask people if they listen to podcasts and they no, I don't have time. <laughs> and it's difficult for me to not just laugh. Like how how does a person not have time? That's another construct that I don't fully grasp. Each person has the same amount of time in a day. So rather than not having enough time, it's not a priority. And I do encourage folks to be conscious of this, to analyze the two phrases, I don't have time and it's not a priority. Really think about what those two mean in terms of communication and pink zone communication, authentic, genuine communication. Number six, reflection right, time to slow down and think. We have done a podcast on reflection writing. I think this is another habit that many leaders do is reflection write, is to analyze yesterday, today, tomorrow, themselves, others, anything on the brain. It's like a brain dump. I've heard others speak of similar phenomenons associated with reflection writing that I experience. And two of those are that I think on the page. If I have an idea or a concept or a complication, to just think it in my head is yellow zone. It's a bit ambiguous, but once I write it down and am able to walk away and come back and reflect on what those thoughts are, that's thinking for me. That's how I process information most efficiently is oddly by writing. It's a big part of my conscious processing system. And another phenomenon (laughs) with reflection writing is that it's incredibly therapeutic. Being able to just dump thoughts and get things out, it's kind of like releasing doves from a cage. Keeping thoughts within one's own head is challenging. And I think that's a difficult way to process information. This kind of goes back to the first one where doing just a brain dump, even if it's nonsense, is therapeutic, healing, to just dump it out and get rid of it. For those who reflection right, big thumbs up, continue. I think it's a worthy use of time and a priority. And for those who are on hiatus, maybe fire up the engines again. Add that to the chart card. Have that be something that needs to be done each day for five days. And then after those five days, if there's a sense of delight, continue. If it didn't help, then stop. That's a a great thing about self-accountability. We as individuals get to dictate our actions. And for those who have never reflection wrote, I strongly encourage this. There are many habits and 
life things that I've just now discovered in my 30s. <laughs> and as the old saying goes, the first best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. <laughs> I like that. I think that's, uh, that's kind of cute in its own little way. All right, so reflection writing. For more information, listen to the earlier episode in season one. Number seven, vegetarian. Conscious of food and benefits of probiotics. I do continue to be vegetarian. This was a decision which first began when I was around 13. I went full vegetarian but it didn't really fit with my lifestyle and culture at the time. And what I mean by that is it was before vegetarian food was marketed. (laughs) It was still accessible, but I was just a dumb consumer and didn't want to put forth the effort needed to maintain a pure vegetarian diet as a teenager. When I turned 20, I was in a psychology 101 class and we watched a video about slaughterhouses, unethical treatment of animals, and that day I brought turkey jerky and I didn't want to eat it. I clicked. It was that day and watching the video in the class which pushed me to be a full vegetarian. And I am now 35, so that was 15 years ago. It's been a while since I've had meat, and even longer since I was 13, since I've had beef and pig and those other kinds of things. So this is a habit I have continued and plan to continue, and I'm working towards a vegan diet and a more raw vegetarian diet. In the past, I was a microwave vegetarian (laughs) and didn't eat as many fresh fruits and vegetables as I do now. Also with a probiotic, I drink Bragg's apple cider vinegar on a regular basis. The research that I've conducted leads me to believe probiotics provide a super boost for the immune system, cognition, digestion, absorption of minerals and vitamins and it It's like a super booster for the body because we have so many living organisms in our gut, in our stomach, in our body, on our skin. We are composed of millions, if that's even accurate. (laughs) Oh yeah, Mustachio says billions and billions. (laughs) There are a lot. It's a big part of who we are as humans. And there are some educators who go as far to say that humans are parasites (laughs) because we're composed so much of living bacteria. Each human is gonna process probiotics in a different way. There's different vectors. It's something to research and consider. Number eight, neighbor to the world, Earth as a single organism. I do continue to believe this and live my life this way, and it's difficult. It's strange. I've found being authentic is challenging. (laughs) Crazy as it sounds, it's difficult to speak my mind. And if I feel 
something with someone, I, w I want to voice that. Whereas in many instances, culture tells me it's not appropriate or it's not nice to speak my mind because it might hurt someone's feelings. I don't feel that denying reality to spare someone's feelings is a beneficial component to society. I think a better approach is to be authentic and keep an open mind towards the feedback that's received. Either way, either giving or receiving. Keep an eye out for authenticity. And I imagine most people have felt this where someone aims to do a kindness, but it has a negative effect. I've experienced this where I put effort to do something nice for someone, but it ends up being a situation where if I didn't do anything, the situation would have been better. <laughs> so to summarize, it boils down to intent. What is the person intending to do with their actions or their words? That's about being a neighbor to the world, recognizing we're all a part of one organism. Similar to a fish tank, though each fish is an individual creature, together, those fish, the water, the bacteria, those things contribute to the overall ecosystem. And it's important to think of this as humans. Earth is our fish tank, and the fellow people are our fellow tank mates. In the end, we all benefit from creating a harmonious environment. When something is good for me and others, that's a positive meta. That's something to strive for. Group benefit. Number 10, whiteboard with note card accountability. I don't do this anymore. I have stopped. I had an elaborate system where I'd write my thoughts down on the whiteboard and evolve them on note cards and continuously refine them until they were in some sort of a digestible state. <laughs> I'm not really sure why, but this is no longer a priority. A large reason why is that was a step for theory creation and initial organization of my thoughts and what 3H2Humans is about. Now, two years later, the systems have evolved. Back then, the radio show didn't exist yet. It was just recordings, nothing had been aired. And that's an example of how it's changed. Now, instead of writing stuff down on the whiteboard as theories, I'm voicing them in a public way. So yeah, perhaps that has replaced the whiteboard. I'm being more adventurous and open with my thoughts, as opposed to in the past, simply keeping them on a whiteboard and on note cards. <laughs> Number 10, aware of environment, create own reality. This is one that I am aware of, yet I struggle with, especially with the creating my own reality. I recognize as a human, I choose how I perceive the environment. I get to determine whether today is productive or not. 
This is a, a tough idea for many people to ingest, as it is for me. Because where's the line between somebody else affecting my environment and me creating it? So what I mean by that is, let's say I'm here at the office and someone's having a bad day and they're just talking about how everything's bad and not enjoyable and everything just sucks. My reality begins to think that way. Consciousness is contagious. It's a contagion. <laughs> so what, uh, then what is the immunity? Some days a negative Nancy doesn't affect me at all and I can brush it off and keep going. Other days it infects me and I become a negative Nancy too. I've recognized it depends on my mindset. That other person is going to be the same. But how can I change and create a positive reality? How can I have more of the days where negative Nancys don't affect me? And even more where I can lift a negative Nancy up to be a positive Pauletta. <laughs> That's a gift of being aware of the environment is being aware that as individuals, we are observers and we choose which filters information is going to be processed through. This is done through conscious awareness. If actions and thoughts are left up to subconscious processing, then there is less control. The body's going to go into an autopilot type of mode where there is less choice as to how the environment is viewed. All right, so that was the 10 list unique daily habits. In the upcoming segment, I will give a little blurb about each of them from my 2015 mind. And I think it's fun to compare the two mindsets. This comparison offers pink zone tangibility towards my evolution as a speaker. How have I changed over the years? It's measurable in this format rather than just saying, oh, two years ago I was awesome. <laughs> Which I hear many people say, well, show me, show me the awesome. <laughs> okay, to run over the list of unique daily habits one more time. Number one, Jog Kettlebell Meditation Oasis podcast. Number two, 100 trinket photos per day. Number three, conscious of subconscious word selection. Number four, chart card from Monday through Friday must do tasks. Number five, learn and be productive, screenshot podcasts. Number six, reflection right, time to slow down and think. Number seven, vegetarian, conscious of food and probiotics. Number eight, neighbor to the world, earth as a single organism. Number nine, whiteboard with note card accountability, and number 10, aware of environment, create own reality. For the five list, we have five list Spokane hotels. Number one, Best Western Plus at City Center. Number two, Spokane Club, Riverside. Number three, Davenport Grand Hotel Convention Center. Number four, CDA Resort at Lake Coeur d'Alene. And number five, Hotel RL, 
the Red Lion at the Park. These are five hotels I have visited and each of them in the last two years, some of them in the last two months. <laughs> I recently stayed at the Davenport Grand Hotel, the CDA Resort, and Hotel RL. Part of the reason why I did this investigation is to provide some insight into lodging of the area. Tourism is a large industry and a fun one. <laughs> I travel a lot and I often pick a hotel on intuition. I've found online reviews and ah, a lot of the online world is not accurate. With the reviews, sometimes they're paid people or employees at one end of the continuum saying that the place is the next greatest thing since sliced bread. And other times where someone has a negative experience and focuses purely on that. So I've, I've found online reviews not to be quite as reliable as I would like. So here's just a little sprinkle for anyone who plans to stay in the Spokane area. Perhaps it's future land and we have events at the convention center. This would be a good guide to familiarize oneself with the hotels of the area. Number one, <laughs> the best Western Plus at City Center. This hotel is right on the corner across the street from the Convention Center and the Davenport Grand Hotel. It's near Riverfront Park. It's in a useful location. Much of the attractions of downtown are walkable from the Best Western Plus. This hotel has gone through renovations recently. The outside has been painted. I think they were doing some upgrades when I was there, which I think is beneficial because the feeling of the hotel was older. There's kind of a, a wave of modernization for hotels. And when I stayed there, it wasn't quite happening yet. Overall, it's a okay hotel. I would say it wasn't at the either end of a spectrum of wonderful or not that great. <laughs> I would say one of the key points as to why it's a beneficial location is because it's so close to the convention center and Riverfront Park. And it's nice, especially in weather like today, it's kind of difficult to go on long walks when the sidewalks are icy. So for a hotel that didn't really quite strike me either way, that's the best Western plus. <laughs> the next one, Spokane Club. This is one of the older hotels, kind of the one of the classic symbols of Spokane. It's more of like a boutique style hotel where each room is different and has antique furniture. There's a staircase right at the main entrance where I was able to move around from floor to floor. I like that as opposed to some of the enclosed parking garage type staircases. I liked how the Spokane Club's one is exposed. 
Because entry and exit points are important to me. When I stay in hotels, I generally use the stairs. I get more exercise that way, and it's overall more enjoyable to experience the travel through the hotel rather than just stepping in an elevator. The Spokane Club does have a wonderful view of the river and of Kendall Yards, the Maple Street Bridge. There are some amazing views. And for those who like boutique style hotels, this may be a fun option. And the room I stayed in did have a little mini fridge and a coffee maker. So there are modern amenities within the classic feel. Number three, the Davenport Grand Hotel, right next door to the convention center. This is a brand new hotel. It's within its first year of operation and it's very modern. Whereas the Best Western felt like kind of 70s vibe. The Grand has a modern feel. Bright contrasting colors, open, kind of sterile feel, similar to a casino. <laughs> and that's where Mustachio chimes in, that uh, it has that casino feel to it. I personally was not as blown away by the Davenport Grand as I thought. The, it's weird, it's like the architecture and the layout isn't as friendly, like it doesn't flow very well. And this may be because I compare it to casinos, where one of the points of a casino is to kind of herd people around. And uh, it was just weird to have the decorations and feel of a casino, but the layout was not a casino. <laughs> and there wasn't a casino. <laughs> so it was strange. And the room, was very modern. There wasn't a couch. There were two red, single, modern looking chairs and a little table and no refrigerator. I thought that was strange for a modern high-end hotel to not have a mini fridge. When I travel, I bring food or I'll go out to a restaurant and I'll want the leftovers the next day. I think that's a little weird that there's no refrigerators and I, carry an ice chest with me and I needed to fill that up with ice and then it gets wet and it's, it's a little bit of a pain. So for those who travel with food, keep that in mind. <laughs> Find out if there's a fridge because I was under the false impression that all modern hotels had mini fridges. It's just like a TV now. It's what hotels do, but I was mistaken. <laughs> Overall, the Davenport Grand is, I'd have to say elegant. That's probably the best word I can use to describe it. But for me, when I travel, I like comfort. I want to feel as though I'm in my home away from home. And for me, that's more of a classic feel in a hotel room rather than a modern. So if there is a desire for that modern, sterile, brightly colored, lots of room type of feel, then the Davenport Grand is a good idea. Next is the CDA Resort on Lake Coeur d'Alene. Coeur d'Alene is about 45 minutes or so away from 
downtown Spokane. So it's not too far, a little bit of a drive. I personally am a big fan of being by the water, looking out at mountains and walking along the water. Something is mystifying about large bodies of water. Although some of the hotels here in Spokane are on the river, it's not quite the same as the Coeur d'Alene Resort where many of the rooms face the water. So there can be a water view. What I like about the architecture of the rooms, at least the one I stayed in, it was multi-layered. So there was a living area recessed a bit lower than where the bedroom was and then the bathroom. So it was kind of staggered. Each section had its own feel to it. And I could open the curtains and look out at the lake and the harbor and the mountains. And it was very calming and relaxing. In terms of views and overall exterior environmental enjoyment, I would have to say that the CDA Resort fulfills this the most out of the items on this list. Also at the resort, there is a spa. I've only been to a handful of spas in my life. I would have to say that this one is one of the better ones. There's several rooms, there's a, a women's area, a men's area, a co-ed room, and the massage that I received was awesome. Each place kind of has its own little nuances. If I gathered up all the nuances, as a whole, it was a positive experience, more so than other spas. And what I mean by that is the type of massage, the feel of the room, perhaps fragrances used, the whole package. I really did enjoy the spa experience at the CDA Resort. Maybe not just for the out-of-towners. I live in Spokane, but I went on a vacation 45 minutes away. <laughs> I needed to get away. The coldness of winter was stacking on me and I wanted to be near water and feel earth rather than concrete and see the night sky rather than LED commercial lights. <laughs> I needed a break. I encourage people to explore one's own town whether it be Spokane or somewhere else, explore the area. A vacation doesn't have to be really far away and super elaborate. It can be a couple nights at a local hotel just to take a break from household responsibilities. Walking the dog and doing the dishes, all of those things can be put on hold for a little while. And that deep state of peace and rest can be restored when there is an ability to be in the present moment without being concerned about all those little things that tend to pile up quickly. <laughs> so for those in Spokane, take a little break down to the CDA resort and uh, grab a room with a view and look out and relax. When I went there, I slept for 12 hours straight. <laughs> I was so relaxed and just able to shut down that I just slept and I didn't plan to, but I laid down and didn't have an alarm. The curtains were blackout. I was able to just sleep. And sometimes that's what's needed on a vacation rather than 
scurrying around to multiple tourist sites. Sleep, <laughs> rest, restore, recharge. All right, and number five, Hotel RL, the red line at the park. As far as in-town Spokane hotels go, this one is my favorite. I have stayed there quite a few times. Two summers ago, I was homeless. <laughs> I did not have a home. I was in between houses. I had left the one that I lived in, but had not found a new place yet. And I stayed at the Red Lion for over a week and it felt like home. It has a large atrium right at the entrance, which the ceilings in that area are five stories or so high. So it has that really open feel. The staff there is very friendly. The rooms are comfortable. I've stayed in a few rooms and I've experienced each one of their sections. The hotel is sectioned off into the atrium and a block of hotels connected to the main building. And then there's another tower of other hotels. Of the rooms, my favorite is the block of hotels connected to the hotel. The tower is a bit far from the atrium and the overall feel and staying in the atrium was a bit noisy for me. There's music and hubbub and lights and those kinds of things that I'm extra sensitive to. So I like to stay farther down the hall. They have an updated restaurant and I ordered the beet hummus and fresh vegetables. So it was nice to be able to eat a healthy snack, to have high ceilings, friendly staff. The location is great. It's right on the river very close to the convention center and downtown, many of the amenities. So overall, I would have to say that the Red Lion at the park, because there's two <laughs> right across the street from each other, and this is the one at the park. It has all the kinds of things that I like, and they do have a mini fridge. That's a big deal for me. Okay, so that's the five list of Spokane hotels. Number one, the Best Western Plus. Number two, Spokane Club. Number three, Davenport Grand Hotel. Number four, CDA Resort. Number five, Hotel RL. Next, we have a five list for music albums. These are CDs that I've listened all the way through, and for many of them, multiple times. When I find a CD I really enjoy, I listen to it maybe 20 times in a row. <laughs> it will be the only thing I listen to as I dive into the world of whomever the artist may be. And these CDs provide house cleaning music. So we talked about in the 10 list unique daily habits, learn and be productive screenshot podcasts. So this can be a part of this. I have house cleaning music where there's certain music that jazzes me up and motivates me to keep going. These are the artists and CDs which help me get into that mindset of fun productivity. Number one, Florence and the Machine. Number two, Lord. Number three, Whiskey Avengers. Number four, 
Everlast. And number five, the Black Eyed Peas. I have been fortunate enough to hang out with two of these bands and view the artists in two different ways. A stage presence and that creative force, as well as everyday people just hanging out, having a beer and chatting. I've been able to experience that with the Whiskey Avengers and the Black Eyed Peas. So for number one, a Florence and the Machine, Lungs. This album is from 2009. I am a late bloomer when it comes to Florence and the Machine. I didn't find out about them until, gosh, probably 2013 or so. And once I listened to this CD, Lungs, I purchased Ceremonials and Lungs, the B-sides. I really enjoy the majority of the music produced by Florence and the Machine. The lead singer's voice is captivating. The music is unique and the combination of the two, her voice, the power behind her voice, the power behind the tempo of the music and the unpredictability of it is very enjoyable and helps me to keep going when I have chores around the house and just want to kind of think, think about the lyrics, the very thought-provoking lyrics. One of the lines that gets stuck in my head is, this is a gift, it comes with a price. Who is the lawman and who is the knife? And to think about that, about gifts and the prices that come with certain extraordinary things in life. There's a balance that takes place. And I begin to think about that. So rather than thinking about mundane things, Florence and the Machine guides me to think more deeply about life. Number two, Lord, Pure Heroine. So the name of this album confused me for a while. So it's called Pure Heroine. And when I hear heroin, I think of the drug, but I believe she's meaning heroin like a hero and a heroine, like the, the savior. And it's funny that depending on how this word is processed, it's either a debilitating drug or a wonderful person to save the day. Very strange. And this ties in with Lord's theme, similar to Florence and the Machine, Lord provides thought seeds and a peek into her world, how she views life and culture and humanity and everyday occurrences. It's through her lens in a genuine and seemingly lightly, lightly filtered way. That's what I like about it. It's got kind of that grit that comes with reality. When I engage in media, I like that. I don't like the polished up, pretentious uh, facade of many musicians and people in the spotlight. The people on this list, I feel, have deep, genuine components to their artistry and passion. That is Lord Pure Heroine 2013. Number three, Whiskey Avengers. 
So this CD, I'm not sure if this is the CD that I listened to. Okay, let me, uh, I'm 95% sure. <laughs> this isn't the particular CD of the Whiskey Avengers that I used to listen to on loop. When I lived in San Jose, where the band is from, when I changed my iTunes accounts, my other CDs didn't transfer over. I don't know, but I, oh, the digital era. <laughs> I don't remember the name of the CD that I became familiar with. And maybe it wasn't a big release. Maybe it was one of those hand to the friend demo copy. Regardless, when I looked up the Whiskey Avengers, as I began producing the show, I found that they are still together and still performing after 10 years when I used to watch them in uh, San Jose. One of the members of the band, Clint, was in another friend's band and really involved in the music scene. And he is incredibly talented. I... I would probably need another appendage <laughs> to count all of the instruments he plays and his experience in different music genres. He is a scientist when it comes to music. That's why I love the Whiskey Avengers. And similar to the other artists on this list, there's deep thought-provoking lyrics with upbeat and enticing tones and melody and the flow of this group is amazing. I can feel it. And that might be because I've met the band and I've seen that they're awesome, genuine people who really do what they love. I think there's some magic sprinkled around people who do what they love. The majority of people who I know that claim to be happy enjoy what they do. And the majority of people who are not happy don't enjoy what they do in terms of day-to-day -day life. And one of the uh, characteristics that I would have to say really stands out in my mind about the members of the band is how humble they are. Even though in San Jose, they were local rock stars, they were so kind and generous and pink zone with people. That's what I liked. I was able to have a genuine conversation and a meaningful conversation whilst out and about. So this is a little homage to a different era in my life when I partied a lot and went to live music nearly every week, hung around with creative types. And I'd like to recreate that here in Spokane to become more involved in the arts and hang around like-minded people and have circles that intertwine. And that era was a very enjoyable time of my life. Even though I myself was not a musician, I got to hang around the musicians and help them set up and go to practices, watch recordings, see what happened from that seed when a song is just an idea to when it turns into a plant that bears fruit, when it turns into a recording that's released to the public. It's a uh, fascinating timeline of events. 
That is number three, Whiskey Avengers. Number four, Everlast. Whitey Ford Sings the Blues, 1998. This is another CD which I listened to on loop and gained a lot of insight. The perspectives and the melodies flow really well together. And in particular, the song ends. That's one that really planted a thought seed. It's about money, what people do in order to get money and why, and what happens when the mind is focused on that narrowly rather than other consequences which surround a chase for the dollar. <laughs> and it also has what it's like. We featured that song in the songs about God list. Everlast was also on the Joe Rogan podcast a couple times. I've listened to him, I believe twice, and it was neat to see the background and a little bit more into the mind of the artist who creates these songs, how he talked about the muse and essentially streams of consciousness. And I think that's why I was so drawn to Everlast's music because consciousness is considered within their lyrics and the overall artistry. So that is number four. Next is the Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> One of the things I like about the Black Eyed Peas in general is they adapt and change. Their music style seems to bend and flex. So we talk about how that's an important part of evolution is bending and flexing. And with the Whiskey Avengers experimentation, the Black Eyed Peas have that within their music. Of all the CDs I have, my favorite is Elefunk, especially number 10. <laughs> oh, that song. I would be having a bad day and just in a funk and I'd turn on that song and the beat just woke my body up. And it was in a way that very few types of music do. It takes a special beat and words and just that, that symphony to tap into my frequency. Maybe that's what it is, huh, Mustachio? It's like a, uh, a joining of frequencies and harmony. Well, number 10 on Ella Funk is my jam. <laughs> and I like the, the humor of humps and just the, the array of emotion and feeling and beat that is on this album and many of their albums. And kind of bringing it back to the theme of this music 10 list about a humble perspective and experimentation, those characteristics that I identify with, I was able to meet the Black Eyed Peas. And this was before Fergie, right around that time, some friends and I went to a show downtown and one of my friends said, we're gonna go backstage. And I thought, no, not gonna happen, but I was adventurous back then and I still am. So I said, okay, let's do it. Whatever, I'm on board. And with some persistence and magic, 
she got us backstage and we hung out with the band and it was different than I thought. They were so much more human than I thought. <laughs> I, I had a bit of the starstruck, but I was more curious. How does a person with this much fame and talent behave off the stage? And it didn't seem like there was that much of a difference. There was uh, charisma and that happy vibe. And, um, and it, it was an overall neat experience. And it reminds me that big famous rock stars are just like everyone else. They're people. They have tasks that are performed. And then the other side of things, the downtime, which most of the humans I know go through that as well. Many thought seeds have been gained from these artists, and I encourage folks to check them out. Number one, Florence and the Machine. Number two, Lord. Number three, Whiskey Avengers. Number four, Everlast. Number five, The Black Eyed Peas. Whew. <laughs> lots of goodies today. So that was our 10 list of unique daily habits, five list of Spokane hotels, and a five list of music albums centered around a humble perspective. For the announcements, thank you to everyone who came to Chiefs Hockey Day. That was on Saturday the 25th and today is Monday the 27th. I had a wonderful time, and similar to last year's Chiefs Day, going to David's Pizza provided, oddly, the crescendo of fun. <laughs> last year, an anonymous person had purchased my meal, and this year, I laughed so hard I cried. <laughs> and my belly ached, I had one of those deep, belly ache laughs that it's probably been months since I've laughed that hard. And it was very cathartic, very therapeutic to just laugh and have fun and enjoy myself. It was a wonderful experience. Sign up for the newsletter to receive latest news, free event ticket opportunities, and expanded show notes. So the newsletter is going to include extra stuff about the show, as well as events in the area, and ticket announcements. 3H2Humans has Chiefs season tickets, and the majority of them are given away. So if there is interest in going to a game, also we talked about Neil deGrasse Tyson, we're going to have Alton Brown tickets available. Imagine the newsletter as kind of a heads up on 3H2Humans-like things going on at the time, as well as an example of the chart card, some of the show notes. It's for the people who want that little extra. Want to be a guest on the 3H2Humans radio show? If so, send email requests and show idea. There have been some extremely interesting things going on behind the scenes, which... Mustachio has 
advised I keep behind the scenes for a little while longer. <laughs> I'm a bit too much of a loose cannon to just go firing things off. But uh, a result of some of these behind the thing, behind the scenes occurrences is that I'm open to inviting guests on the show and to introduce new segments and have five lists and 10 lists and listener challenges from other professionals on planet Earth. <laughs> it's not limited to just the Spokane area, but I have spoke to a few professionals here in town that are interested and we will likely do a live recording together. This type of interview format tends to produce a bit more cohesive results when two people are in the same room. There's a bit more of a deeper connection and ability to jump in the pink zone. So we do plan to start that up. If anyone out there is interested, shoot me an email. We're going to have a request form and get all technical soon. But for now, email works. And in terms of the parameters, I haven't set them because I feel each person has something to say. So degrees aren't necessary or years of experience, many of those other qualifiers that are put on knowledge and validation are not here at 3H2Humans. A piece of paper does not validate someone in terms of industry knowledge. I know many people with degrees who know very little about their industry especially given modern changes. In order for a person to fully grasp an industry, there needs to be continuing education as industries change and evolve and co-mingle with other industries. So that's what we wanna do is plant some seeds and get some co-mingling going on. Earlier, we talked about the broccoli. We want broccoli and Brussels sprouts and salt and pepper and chili powder, all that good stuff and give it a bite to see what happens. We appreciate feedback. If there's any feedback, send it on down. And uh, we're, yeah, Mustachio did want me to point out, we've been off the grid lately, and we will be for a lot of March with spotty attention. <laughs> we'll be in Las Vegas the beginning of March, but we do plan to continue to produce shows and interact with the audience during that time. But if I'm traveling or on an adventure, I'm going to be in airplane mode. So there may be a couple days delay with a response, but I do respond. So give it a little bit of time and uh, yeah. And if I do respond, then that means that that's an email day and that's a good day to talk to me because it might be a few days till I'm back on the old wire. <laughs> All right, Mustachio and I would like to wish everyone health, happiness, and a humble perspective. Diligence today equals a thriving community tomorrow. Enjoy.
Today is January 13th, 2015, here in West Central, Spokane, Washington, where there's slight sprinkles of frost and snow on the ground, but the majority of snow has melted. Mid-January, not much snow. I was thinking about that this morning, and I brought that up to Mustachio. I said, hey, Mustachio, isn't it kind of strange? It's January 13th, 2015, here in lovely Spokane, Washington, and there's not a whole lot of snow. And we began to talk about weather patterns, how cycles change, many variables involved in the weather, in the amount of snow which is on the ground. And we talked about how in some ways it is a bit synchronistic and beneficial in a sense that uh, for those who work outside and for those who are homeless here in Spokane, the lack of snow and the warm weather we've been having, and when I say warm, I mean above freezing, above 32 degrees Fahrenheit. I think Celsius, is that the one the whole rest of the world uses except for us here in lovely America? (laughs) And feet and inches, our measuring system, that's, that's strange. And two, how cultures agree on measuring systems. I think that's a a beautiful little thing to be thankful for is uh, objective measuring systems. In terms of consciousness, I think it's difficult to have some sort of objective measurement and thought, intellectual property. These things are difficult to measure objectively. All right, so uh, yeah, as much as I do love the snow and... uh, enjoy examining footprints and all of the the little things that come along with snow. I am more grateful that it's warm for those who work outside and who live outside. A couple more weeks, I imagine, two weeks, and then maybe that's when it'll really start to become chilly. So let's get what needs to be got done outside. So uh, we can enjoy um, life. (laughs) All right, for today, the 3H2 Humans Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Possibility. Uh, Yesterday's show, Mustachio and I were going over the whiteboard components, which most recently were covered in the episode, The Village Idiot Leads a Mastermind, kind of outlined the point that nearly anyone and everyone can do idea extraction and all this shit that people say, oh, they're real special because they do it. All it is is being in the moment and asking questions. That's what it is. (laughs) That's what idea extraction, masterminding, what all these people, in a sense, and not all, all is an absolute, and we speak of infinite possibilities rather than absolutes. So many of them, at least in the investigating I've been doing recently, I have not been real blown away by the people who charge incredible amounts as an hourly rate. And I listen to them speak on podcasts. That's the pool that I'm grabbing from. I imagine there are a shit ton of people who maybe don't match this who really do have some sort of crazy, unique-to-them ability, but I am unaware of their presence because I live in a cave. (laughs) Mustachio and I listen to podcasts. 
ooh, we watched Guardians of the Galaxy, awesome movie. I cried a couple times during the movie, wonderful movie, check it out. Yeah, but other than that, it's just been kind of creative isolation, which is a rare gift. I don't have kids or a nine-to-five job, nor am I a student. I really have friends. So I am blessed in that I'm allowed this alone time. I'm really happy here. So the next step is being happy under different circumstances. That's what evolution is, is changing the environment and adaptability to the environment. Yeah, time to move forth. All right, so on the whiteboard for today, yesterday we went over some of them and then Brian came home and we talked about the right side of the board, which is new, new thoughts. (laughs) Oh, it's a shit show of congestibility. Yeah, I need to handle this today. Still kind of behind on stuff. And that's one of the reasons why I am hesitating to leave the cave. I feel as though the center is still gooey. (laughs) It needs these ideas, kind of the systems Mustachio and I have been working on. All of these things are still gooey in the center. Why spend the time creating something if it's prematurely served. So it is premature at this time. A little more time, a little more time. And two, we've talked about how time is essentially the greatest measurement of wealth. How is time spent? That's another complication I have with those who charge $250 an hour and advice giving or mentoring or whatnot, where it's based off being a millionaire. Oh, I want to make a million dollars and have the bling and the blang and millionaires. Are they happy? I don't know. Do they have health? Even think about health? And is there a humble perspective? How was that money earned? Was it earned honestly? That's a complication I come across. That fine line between marketing and, um, gosh, Mustachio, what's a good word? Marketing? Ooh, we might need to whiteboard this one. I would say marketing versus truth. How far does the marketing stray from what the truth is? Marketing versus truth. Uh, Marketing versus truth. I got to pick on one of my favorites, Tim Ferriss, about marketing versus truth, where on a podcast, I interpreted his words to mean that perhaps the four-hour chef was more a book about learning, but it was marketed as the four-hour chef. That's his brand, the four-hour work week, four-hour body, four-hour chef. So it was a marketing thing to call it the four-hour chef when essentially it was a book on learning. I would consider Tim Ferriss a mentor. I think he's fantastic. I've learned a shit ton from him. And this is one of the things, when I heard him say that, I could feel his pain. I could feel that Yes, he made a lot of money off of that, but was that the right decision? Is that in line with his Buddha awareness, uh, love to all, deep part of his soul? In his voice, I sensed regret. Yeah, the pockets got fatter, the bling got blingier, but at what cost? So this is one of the components Mustachio and I are workshopping, and thanks to folks such as Tim Ferriss and listening to podcasts which emphasize the perspective that it's okay to trick people as long as that money gets in. Ugh, not quite what we're doing here. So marketing versus truth. That's a big piece of the puzzle which is newly being examined. 
as we've spoke before about the economy making a turn towards give a shit units. Yeah, that's right. We had like a whole show on give a shits <laughs> as a measurement of uh, currency and that the middle class American consumer is, in my opinion, moving towards that rather than buying cheap, buying give a shits, buying uh, where did this come from? How was this made? Were the people offered a living wage? Is this a renewable resource? These questions are entering the minds of consumers. And I do want to take this into account because I'm a consumer. I vote with my dollar. Other people vote with their dollars. And in terms of making a product that is strictly marketing, and then I can make a shit ton of money, but it's essentially smoke and mirrors, like a trick. Oof. Hector would not be happy with that. <laughs> uh, karma would come around. I would eventually have to repay that bit of trickery. Because trickery is okay if it's beneficial in the end. Like that, the Loki kind of trickery where in the, the Jung's archetypes, I, I think I'm mixing them all up. Loki's perhaps a different. Anyway, so the archetype, the Greek mythology, the fable, whomever that may be, the character is fox-like, has that cunning and that smarts and intellect and all that. And at an, a higher emotional level, where essentially it's so emotional that it appears not to be. Kind of like those harsh realities, like in V for Vendetta. Main character wants to remove the fear from Natalie Portman. Yeah, see, I'm trying to use Hollywood events. I'm, I'm trying to try. Yoda says there's no try, only do and do not. I'm working towards being a bit more pop culture but that doesn't really work for me. So back to the archetypes, back to Jung's description, where it's teaching with humor, but it's for the person's well-being. That's the objective. The objective is to offer wisdom and some sort of evolutionary nugget to the person, but it's in a trickery kind of way. So, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I think that type of trickery is okay, but to call something the four-hour chef when it's about learning and then like the four-hour work week, how he doesn't work four hours. Nobody worked four hours. That's not real. It's not about a four-hour work week. It's about efficiency, about learning, but it's marketed to the person who goes, Durr, I want four-hour work week. Durr, durr. I buy book. Durr, durr. <laughs> and then, bam, New York Times bestseller. Ah, oh, that's one thing. So of these bestsellers, of these books that are purchased, what percentage are read? What percentage are impulse buys? And then they just sit on a shelf or whatnot. I think that that's a strange way to measure the worth of something is something similar to the New York Times bestseller. So what does that mean? A bunch of people bought it, okay? Who are these people? Is it the publisher? Do they just front load a shit ton for it to be a quote unquote bestseller? How many did the author buy? Ugh. Crazy, crazy, crazy form of measurement that um, I think when looked upon more deeply, there are better ways to quantify and measure something as useful. That's the objective here for Mustachio and I, to be a bit more of that fox-like trickery where it's, oh, those aha moments. 
the, uh, I thought one thing, oh, but it's another, but ooh, this other thing feels pretty comfortable type of uh, thing, like pushing someone into the water. Yeah, it's scary, but once that cool water touches the body and they're splashing and fun, that becomes more comfortable than standing at the edge of the water contemplating and wondering what is this? What's going on here? It's diving in. So that type of trickery, okay, let's be on board with comfort rather than thinking something, something, and it's not that, and then there's a discomfort. We want the comfort. And the truth, what the fuck is all this? I don't really know. That's the hardest part. So far, it seems as though it is based on those who desire logic-based language. So we were talking about that mindset of the fox, which is so emotional that it seems unemotional. When a kid falls down and scrapes its knee, what, uh, is the parent, oh, hey, the kid's okay, let's move on, or, oh my gosh, did you get a boo-boo? Let me get the antibacterial wipes, elevate it, all these things. It's like, whoa, it's strange where there is a sense of not giving a shit, but it's the ultimate shits. <laughs> and one of the points here on the whiteboard too, I don't give two fucks about someone's drama and needless chatter because it's a waste of time. A person doesn't have to tell me a long, drawn-out story of a bunch of details taking five minutes. That's a long time. A lot of stuff can get done in five minutes. So comparatively speaking, in terms of time being wealth, it takes essentially one sentence, one, maybe two, to get off that point, which would take five minutes. <sighs> so granted, I recognize not every human processes information the way I do, and that people genuinely feel as though all those details are needed. Ah, oh, this happens with my grandma, just going on and on. And I'm like, well, I don't need to know all of these things. But, oh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Drives me crazy. But there are others, I feel as though, who share my viewpoint that all those needless details are needless. Let's get to the mean the potatoes. Let's really dive into the meaning of things rather than regurgitating shit, um, the meaning, instead of spending time on past and unknown future, spend time in now. That's really what I feel it boils down to. So regardless of what happened in that story, in that instance of whatever created the feeling, what's important is that feeling. That's why I feel as though the details don't matter. It's the feeling from those details because those details are going to change every day multiple times a day someone tells a story about a car accident it's going to be one way in the morning one way in the evening one way to this person one way to that person it's stupid it's a waste of time but the feeling from it the lessons learned those things are the substantive components of that story and that takes a sentence or two so be conscious of this. Be conscious of too much detail. Be concise and digestible. That's kind of what we talk about, concise and digestible. All right, so that's, uh, that's the opener. <laughs> and uh, Masashi and I didn't want to blow through the whiteboard so we can jot all this stuff down and take it a step further. All right, uh, the next little chunklet is talent and skill is amplified when consciousness of subconscious process enters awareness. So the talent and skill is amplified when consciousness of subconscious process enters awareness. This is pretty much saying in a weird way, when an automized 
automated internal process is recognized as such, then the skill or the talent is amplified. Think of someone who, like Wayne Gretzky, awesome on the ice. I speculate he may have been aware of his subconscious processing that although consciously he was unable to calculate the exact location of where the puck was going to be, where his opponents and teammates are. All of these things happen so fast, calculating them consciously is unlikely. These types of calculations take place during subconscious processing. So subconsciously, Wayne Gretzky is like, all right, the puck is here, the opponent is here, the teammate is here, these objects are moving, they will end up here. That happens in the subconscious mind. People who are able to access subconscious processes to enter that realm where time and space are viewed differently than in conscious human processing become a part of that process. Have an awareness to this calculation of the puck, the opponent, and the teammate. Those who are able to tap into subconscious processing, their skill or talent is amplified. All right, next. I've been offered a free lunch slash room from strangers. So what this talks about is other people have been very friendly to me here in West Central twice whilst out adventuring People have told me uh, one was Ronnie the Mexican. He offered me a, a bicycle and uh, told me that the shelter had food and gave me the time and the location. Someone being kind to a stranger. Well, it was a couple months after that. Another woman had told me about a church that was giving away warm clothing. And uh, yeah, I've been offered a free lunch room from strangers similarly on the adventure road trips. I've stayed with strangers before. That was when, uh, before my family got involved and ruined all the fun. I just kind of tell the person, hey, I'll be here around this day. And I would just wing everything. It wasn't checking in and where are you and all this bullshit. I got to simply enjoy myself and uh, go where the wind blew me. The rule was no hotels, no hostels, no paying for a place to stay. So I either slept in my car or stayed with strangers. And I questioned myself, how do I return this favor? Um, there was a kid, what was that, March of last year, who was like passed out on the lawn, gave him a blanket, water, and food, but I didn't let him in the house. And um, others have done that for me, let me into their houses when it was cold, when I didn't have a place to stay. So I struggle with this a little bit and that's why on a big scale I would like to have some sort of housing for uh, low income and uh, homeless place to take a shower get a warm meal these types of things are within mustachios and my 10-year plan but because of our marketing complications <laughs> we are at a halt but um, as uh, Steve Jobs Put it, you know, overnight success takes a long time. All right. Uh, yeah, so I've been offered a free lunch and room from strangers. So think of that too, within oneself. What does this mean to say these words? I've been offered a free lunch and room from strangers. Is it true or false? And this is one of those instances where you, 
is commonly misused. If I was telling a story, you've been offered a free lunch, a room for strangers, then you are so grateful when you were on a road trip back to California, you stayed. It's like, no, that's, that's me. Ah, anyway, from the I perspective, another I perspective is I ask for help when the person's skill exceeds my own. Ah, this is another chunklet I've been having complications with uh, because of the real estate thing. And um, now in hiring people to assist me with editing and podcasting, all this, will their knowledge exceed my own? How many give a shit units are they going to have? So I ask for help when the person's skill exceeds my own. This is what I need to do. <laughs> Rather than think everyone's going to be like, the ones of the past, it's time for me to have a positive perspective and to recognize that I need help and I need to ask for help and that whoever I ask, as long as their skill exceeds my own and that continues to be the case, I will continue to have the relationship. But once the skill does not exceed that of my own, I need to move on. So like with the real estate agent, that last one, it just irks me to no end that I still paid him full commission for not even monitoring the advertisements. I caught two mistakes just in spot checking and they were, you know, weeks apart. So I don't think he did shit and still laughed his way to full commission. This really bothers me. <sighs> so, um, yes, I asked for help when the person's skill exceeds my own. That real estate agent didn't have the skill of spot checking. Unable to spot check a listing. <sighs> okay, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> okay, with books, I'm like a blind man who buys paintings. I do feel the author's essence. It is funny. I uh, was viewing the bookshelf here to the left, overflowing with books. Books stacked on top. I love books. I do feel like a blind man who buys paintings. Just, uh, yeah, I don't read them page to page, but there's an essence to books. The author had some say in the color schemes, the type font, the title, the layout, how many pages it is. There's so many variables, and each one is unique. Each book is similar to a human, a human's individualized perspective. I, I view the books as same as I do humans, where there is no right and wrong and good and bad and these types of things. It's perspective. So think of that when looking at a book. Is there an author's essence? And if so, what is the essence? Uh, remove the phrase good idea. Explain why it's beneficial. So this is yet another thing where Brian's like, no, good idea is good because I can say good idea to drink water and it's just like banging my head against the fucking wall. So when I say remove the phrase good idea, explain why it's beneficial, this is a shortcut. Pretty much what the pish posh words are, they're shortcuts. If the word is removed, then there's no chance of contamination. That's what it is. Instead of saying, oh, well... It's only kind of fucked up. It's like, just remove that. Remove the contaminant. And good idea is a contaminant in that it is essentially a judgment and a vague judgment. Because I'll talk and I'll say something and then a person will say, good idea. And in my head, I'm scanning the algorithms. 
there's probably 50,000 ways the person could mean good idea. So what they're asking me to do is to pick one out of 50,000 and then comment on that. Instead, that whole shenanigan could be removed by explaining why it's beneficial. Removing the phrase good idea eliminates the likelihood that that will happen. That's why I think it's better to just remove it so the person doesn't have to <laughs> pick one out of 50,000 potentials. If this isn't going on consciously, it is going on subconsciously, the way information is processed and these things. So even though consciously people don't recognize that if ambiguous phrases such as good idea are used, we are as other humans selecting one out of 50,000 or essentially one out of infinite possibilities. So remove the phrase good idea, explain why it's beneficial. There's all kinds of noises going on outside. Ooh, okay, <sighs> back to the whiteboard. Okay, 3H2 humans review for podcasts with SNL type humor, logical satire. So that is, I think, the direction I'd like to go with the podcast reviews. I'm still juggling around the format and all of that. I do think humor will be beneficial. Sometimes I'm a bit dry. I think some good old-fashioned sprinkles of thinking will be beneficial. Okay. It was a appliance truck. The appliances across the way, the condos across the way in Kendall Yards are receiving appliances. Ah, yet another sign it is time, time to soon move. Okay, um, so we have, okay, 3H2Humans review for podcasts with SNL type humor, logical satire. Yeah, poking fun, but in a forward, progressive way that's in good humor. Because when I think of Saturday Night Live type of humor, I think of how the famous person would be on the show making fun of themselves. Like that type of humor where it's okay to have that improv bottom line of always agreeing. Go ahead, agree with what the person's saying, laugh about it. Make light of situations. Humor is a great way to heal, to alleviate complications and to increase comfort. I love laughing. When I'm uncomfortable, I laugh. And it's funny, uh, I would say probably a handful or so of people have pointed that out to me and said, you laugh when you're uncomfortable. I do, because laughter increases comfort. For the reviews, I would like to sprinkle a little bit of humor in there. Uh, have that type of humor where whoever it is being reviewed will laugh along. So I want that laugh along with me type of humor. And we touched on the I don't give two fucks about someone's drama, needless chatter. I think that was out of frustration with Brian. <laughs> How all be in the super mental, have like all these epiphanies, the whole world has changed. What I once believed is now not true. And and then he comes home and then for lunch and just talks about nothing. And it just kills my mojo, just destroys any ounce of hope for a beautiful future. It's not very much fun. So <sighs> lots of reasons why. 
drama and needless chatter kind of decrease my comfort. I don't know about other people, but something to think about. And then consciousness is a magi. Otherwise, it wouldn't be any fun. So that kind of goes back to the fox-like cunning trickery. Consciousness is a magi. When I think of a magi, I think of someone who has magical powers beyond my comprehension. So it's uh, stuff that I wouldn't even think about. Magis can do. And consciousness has this characteristic that although, yeah, I think I understand consciousness, I have scratched the surface of consciousness because it is a magi. It has those qualities of infinite possibilities. Essentially, it's quite difficult for me to explore every possibility among infinite possibilities. Think of that one. (laughs) I think that might be like a tangled hierarchy. I'm still kind of learning what those are and stuff chicken before the egg, that kind of stuff is a tangled hierarchy. What came first, but then there's one that logically makes more sense. I don't know. Consciousness is a magi. Otherwise, it wouldn't be any fun. For the the website stuff, uh, subscription monthly through app or hard mailing includes three email questions, random listener questions cards, and thought seed cards per day time release for web-based, advent calendar for hard-mailed, acts as stable accountability partner as opposed to high cost of therapy or life coach. 3H2Humans is self-mentoring with kind of the basic premise of teach a man to fish rather than give him one. This is one of the most beautiful components of being human is that teach a man to fish mentality where If there's something we as humans desire, there is that type of fishing which takes place. A process which can be learned once we see other people with fish or we have tasted other fish. We have the ability to learn how to fish ourselves. And there's different styles of fishing. On the really awesome bear documentary, there's this bear that laid on a branch above a river and then when a fish swam underneath, The bear just fell on top of the fish and grabbed it. (laughs) And the documentarist uh, spoke about how it was effective. That bear was essentially the best, perhaps, hunter of the bears. And he used a unique style to remember this. Everyone has their own way of doing things. And that's why I feel self-mentoring is beneficial, especially during the identity phase. For me, I was in and out of therapy from like 14 until last time I saw a therapist was at WSU right before I met Brian. So 2011, I was like 28, I think. I learned that I could sit and talk to someone and tell them about my problems and all that, but they need the therapist, the person, the mentor, the the guru, the expert, and all these knuckleheads need background and need some sort of understanding of the person's individualized perspective. This is a skill. Some people have it, some people don't. Regardless if there is some plaque on the wall, if a person is unable to recognize individualized perspectives, I personally feel as though that plaque on the wall is garbage. And this has to do with 
therapists and doctors and people who blindly follow another person's parameters, like the DSM. You know, it's just a bunch of disorders. What, uh, it's so strange that these are the components of our culture. So teach a man to fish, don't give him one. And 3H2 humans to have self-mentoring, to have an accountability partner. And that's kind of why I was thinking with the subscription monthly is for an accountability partner. That was one thing that I would say going to a university and in particular taking online classes, those were my favorite. I had a week to do what I needed to do and it held me accountable. Essentially to get the grade, I was required to do substantial postings and readings and things like that. So it was an accountability partner. I did enjoy that much more than going to class most times because it was self-taught. That's what I liked about the online. The end goal is with the subscription is to have kind of like a online classroom, but for self-mentoring, to have that accountability partner with me as a moderator. I think that this is a much more efficient model than one-on-one -on -one mentoring and counseling. I think that that's great for the person who gets the 250 an hour, but I don't see that as the type of model which will fit in the future economy. I think people recognize it's better to have multiple perspectives and that many of the great leaders and whatnot have multiple perspectives as opposed to one. So rather than paying $250 an hour to talk to one person and to explain those details and just all that nonsense, to have a subscription of less than 250. So it's less than essentially one hour of therapy for a whole month's worth of content. And with that monthly payment to where there is that reminder, yeah, I need to be accountable for this. Similar to where I paid for the education. I was paying someone to hold me accountable to teach myself. And I like that. I think that model works for me. And I think it works for many people as opposed to planning, okay, so Wednesday at two o'clock, we're gonna talk and I, it just, that model doesn't really work for me. I like, give me a week to do something and I'll get it done. But don't tell me Wednesday at two o'clock, I need to put on my hat and punch into a clock. Uh, not, not quite my cup of tea. Um, yeah, oh, that's right. And we had, when Brian was on the show, AKA the village idiot, <laughs> See, even a village idiot can run a mastermind. So uh, I really think paying someone an exorbitant amount of fees per hour is ridiculous. So um, I had to, I didn't have to, I desired to step away for a moment. And um, Nature Box came. Brian and I have subscribed to Nature Box. We first heard about it through the Stuff You Should Know podcast. Yeah, so it's like healthy foods healthy snacks. It was delivered while I stepped away. It was really strange how the timing was. It was synchronistic in that I left the room, I came back, and then bam, there was Nature Box. There was a bunch of healthy snacks right on the table. Really cool. And then I thought of brain snacks. A way that I feel fulfilled is to have brain snacks. If my mind is busy, then I don't physically snack and then I can help maintain my weight. So I had thought of brain snacks, <laughs> kind of linking to the thought seeds 
the cards per day, the, the whole system, or whatever it may end up, as kind of like a nature box, but for the brain. So it's like a monthly thing with weekly and then daily accountability measures. I really do feel as though this is a, a good model. It's a beneficial model to seek health, happiness, and a humble perspective. Yeah, and so for instance, I was playing Civilization Five, Sid Meier Civilization. Oh, what a great game with Brian. And we started playing, I think, at like 9.30 in the morning, and we stopped around 2. And during that whole time, I didn't eat anything. I was kind of sipping on a cup of coffee and water. I didn't feel the need to snack. My brain was distracted. My brain was being used. I, um, I was comfortable, so I didn't emotion eat, and that's the problem I have. You know, I'm still 150 pounds, been jogging and doing the kettlebell, meditating, all these things, but I still overeat. And um, I think it has to do with something mental, that there are mental things which are unfulfilled within me, so I eat to, to numb the pain. Oh. But luckily there are fruits and vegetables, and I continue to eat a fruit and vegetable every day, drink the apple cider vinegar, and um, hopefully I will be able to have the, the mindset of healthy snacking for my brain. Kind of a little note up here is Rex Goliath. Brian and I have been to local wineries, purchased $20 bottles of wine, gone to restaurants, purchased bottles of wine that are expensive. We've sampled the fine wines of life for middle class. <laughs> um, and to tell you what, I prefer Rex Goliath. It's a cheap, like $5 bottle of wine, and it's delicious. There's nearly every flavor imaginable. I recently saw that they had a sangria, Rex Goliath. But then again, are the grapes organic and all these other things? That I don't know. Uh, it's probably a good idea to look into the intermakings of it. Yeah, so I would want to be like the organic Rex Goliath <laughs> for $6 a bottle. That little extra for the, the cleanness. But so that's my point, is that if something can be good and tasty and get the job done without having an exorbitant price tag. That's not really in the cards, I feel. Okay, so awesome. Next, we have 10 unique daily habits in the interests of really providing concise and digestible content. Mustachio um, and I have been diligently pumping out 10 lists, just lists of 10 things, whatever they may be, and they're in that moment. So 10 unique daily habits if I were to do this in two months, I wonder how many of them would remain the same and how many would change. I think this is something to think about with information, to remember that it is constantly changing. And if the information is not changing, if it's stagnant, have a further inspection. Maybe there are smaller changes going on which are unseen to the naked eye. So 10 unique daily habits. 
Going down, we have Adventure Jog with Meditation Oasis and Kettlebell. Number two, 100 pictures a day with trinkets. Number three, conscious of subconscious process, in particular with language. Number four, chart card. Number five, screenshot of podcasts. Number six, reflection right. Number seven, vegetarian with apple cider vinegar and a fruit and veggie each day. Number eight, neighbor to the world. Number nine, whiteboard, accountability, note card system. And number 10, aware of environment. So I'd say these are 10 unique daily habits or kind of uh, personality things, calling them daily habits. Uh, yeah, maybe it'll work. So the adventure jogging and meditation wishes with a kettlebell. <sighs> I do have a long-term goal to have on the run keeper where it has... Uh, it keeps track of each day, and it's a, a bar graph. So I want to have the whole bar graph filled. <laughs> so that would mean for, I believe, seven weeks to do five tracked exercises a week in RunKeeper. Thus far, I've completed three. So I'm a little bit, I'm almost halfway there. So that's kind of the goal with the adventure jogging, is to jog five days a week for the next four or five weeks. Uh, number two, 100 pictures a day. I checked and I do take at least 100 pictures a day with the trinkets of my environment, of what I did throughout the day. This kind of ties into the meditative self-mentoring, accountability types of things, is that much of what I remember in my mind and in consciousness is different than what I discover with those hundred photos each day. Encourage everyone to give it a shot, maybe for a month. Just take a hundred pictures each day and um, put them in a folder with the date and then look at them. Scan a month. See what was done during a month. And this is a part two of the reflection writing. It's a reflective exercise. Rather than think, oh, I did that, blah, 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 to have an objective measurement of what is in the pink zone, what is factual in a sense. Accountability, <laughs> objective measurement. Uh, number three, conscious of subconscious process and uh, language. Yes, I have created a little obsession with language, what word selection means, and... Um, it's kind of kind of neat in a way, but uh, Brian was speaking yesterday that he hears when people misuse the word you, and it drives him crazy. Many of the pish-posh words drive me crazy when I speak to people, and I want to say something, but who am I? You know, I'm just a dingleberry. Nobody gives two shits what I have to say. So, eh. <laughs> Except for those who desire logic-based language. <laughs> <laughs> they give a shit. They too feel that frustration that Brian felt, where there is the recognition of misused words, and it causes a subconscious disconnect. There is a complication that is uh, recognized. It's so weird. There's birds chirping, and I, I don't know what kind, and I don't know where they are, but I thought most of the birds had left. I saw some geese flying out the other day, and I saw some finches downtown. I miss my little finch buddies. Hmm. Okay.
Yeah, that is kind of a little sprinkle of sad. I do miss feeding the birds as one of my unique daily habits. <sighs> okay, <laughs> so conscious of subconscious process, there is a recognition. Yeah, well, my mind just went all over the place, up and down, and left and right. All right, I'm back. <laughs> I'm going to get a little heater. <sighs> See, sometimes this happens. My mind just goes on tangents, thinking about birds and where the finches are, if they migrate. And the mantis, I was thinking about that little guy this morning. I miss the, the little critters outside. And the raccoon saw it yesterday. I didn't see it today. All right, the chart card, number four. Um, yeah, huge. The chart card helps me to stay focused. It's strange how having it right there on the refrigerator reminds me of, mm, how to describe it? Time and space where I'm able to visualize. Okay, the card is empty now, but it's going to be full come Friday. And then I'll feel good about myself Friday, looking, wow, I accomplished all these things during the week. And it's, it's a measurement of productivity. One thing I have enjoyed very much by listening to entrepreneurship podcasts is that there's a difference between being busy and being productive. Many people, oh, I'm so busy. Oh, I have so much to do. Oh, I just can't do anything. Oh, you know, to me... I imagine that person doesn't get shit done. People who are productive have time, have a, a sense of freedom rather than a sense of overwhelmed. And what the chart card does is creates that uh, sense of freedom and comfort. I love chart cards. <laughs> so even now, that's one of the reasons why I'm doing a radio show with Mustachio right now is because uh, this morning, I did writing, but that's no longer a chart card item. I feel as though I've instilled that as a habit. So I no longer desire to track my progress because I feel as though whether I receive a sticker or not, I will write. I've ingrained that in. On there is radio show. If I don't have a chart card, I tend to get lazy and say, no, I don't want to do it. I think there is a fear of accomplishment sometimes. So the chart card, if I want those stickers before I go to bed, and I do, and failure is not an option, it feels good to... I feel healthier on Friday when I look at a filled out chart card than when I don't. That's the end game, is how I feel on Friday. How I feel now, a little overwhelmed, a little like, shit, I got all these days, I got to do all this stuff but I think of Friday. I want to enjoy the weekend and to have accomplishments rather than just say, oh, I was busy. Say, these were the four habits. I completed five days each day this week. The chart card is a part of accountability as well as motivation, um, measurement of productivity. So number five, screenshots of podcasts. I keep track of the podcasts I listen to, and if there's a really neat chunklet of information, I don't use them now, but I am grateful that I have been doing this over time. I have flashbacks in my mind of working at the Pullman House, 
doing chores and things there. And I remember hearing a speaker, hearing awesome information, but not remembering the podcast name or the episode or any of that. So this way I have a record. I'm able to go back and look and say, oh, it was the Rationally Speaking podcast and the guest was Kelly Startlett, who was on a a health podcast. But kind of goes to that point, too, where sometimes I forget, is the person a health speaker or was it technology or logical thinking? So the screenshots of the podcasts help me track what I was listening to and provide some sort of record to go back and give a refresher. Uh, Number six, reflection write. I really do enjoy reflection writing. Uh, My two favorite places to reflection write are in the morning here at home and uh, out at a pub, getting a beer, just being a human. Pretty fun to reflection write that way too. And I haven't done that in a while. Maybe uh, this week I can make it a goal to do that. Number seven, vegetarian with apple cider vinegar, fruit and veggie each day. Fuel is important for the body. I have been obese and really put my body through the ringer. So now in my 30s, it's time to take care of it. A basic foundation that's pretty easy to follow, but will have exponentially beneficial results doing it every day is uh, drinking apple cider vinegar and eating a fruit and vegetable. It's hard, you know, people will ask me, how many fruits and vegetables is it best to eat in a day? What are the servings and all that? And I don't know. I think for every person, it's different. The metabolism, tolerance to fruits and vegetables, activity level, all these things vary. So kind of as a rule of thumb, just eat one fresh fruit and one fresh vegetable a day. Then boom, at least there's something. Number eight, neighbor to the world. So what does this mean, neighbor to the world? I kind of take it to mean that as a part of my unique daily habits, I consider the universal consciousness that essentially I am a neighbor to the world. My individualized actions in some microcosmic way affect the energy field here on earth and essentially the other humans here. So neighbor to the world is recognizing though my actions may seem small and insignificant, there is a bigger picture effect to my habits. Thinking of the butterfly, well, there's the butterfly effect and then the butterfly flapping its wings on one coast creating a typhoon on another. So think of that in terms of neighbor to the world. How can we as humans be a neighbor to the world? And what does this type of world look like where everyone is considered a neighbor? We're sharing this planet. Number nine, whiteboard accountability note card system. Mustachio and I were chatting. There are now two whiteboards. One of Brian's chart card components for this week is to comedy write. So what I think I'm going to do is set up the other whiteboard for him to do a similar system to the note cards. To read, have read, blank note cards, listener challenge, completed listener challenge. That system is outdated. (laughs) There's a new system in effect. So I think it will be multi-beneficial for me to move 
the stuff I was using over here to the new whiteboard and recalibrate, refresh and restart a new system over here while setting up a potential system for Brian to use for him to evoke some creativity. That's the plan. Hopefully it'll work. And I think it'll be a good trial run to see if the accountability note card system works. And hopefully Brian can provide some feedback as to whether or not it is a user-friendly system and, and provide feedback. Because um, too, remember, even the village idiot has something to say. <laughs> All right, number 10, aware of environment. I do consider myself to be aware of the environment. One of the reasons why I'm lucky to have this perspective is years of effort. Cave mode, this really helps, where I don't have streams of consciousness interrupting me. I'm not surfing the internet or getting text messages all day and all this other shit. I'm able to be in my immediate environment, enjoy the moment, and stream levels of consciousness which are of the intuitive creative type. Those are my favorite types of streams of consciousness. Ones which promote me to really do the best that I can. I feel good. Uh, my body feels lean and healthy and I just I, I feel primitive and awesome and I'm using this human life to the best of its abilities. I think these are all components of being aware of the environment. All right, uh, so that's the uh, 3H2 Humans Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Possibility for the left side of the board. I'm going to go ahead and leave the right side. That's a lot to handle right now. <laughs> I will do the left and the middle today, work on the other tomorrow. Let's go ahead and grab a green card in the to read. Okay, so today's card is, yeah, the first one I did not grab. Wasn't feeling it. I tend to just do them regardless, but I think one out of 10, I'm gonna allow myself a pass. So I'm passing on that one. And the card I did pull is importance slash value of fulfilling a request. So what's kind of neat with this is during its infant stages of being on the whiteboard, it was birthed from a frustration that the landlord essentially refused to communicate with me through email. That's my request, communicate through email. I do recordings, I work from home, please don't interrupt me. And what does he do? He knocks on the door, sends me text messages, and then completely ignores and disregards an email when there's a fallen tree in the yard. So very frustrated with that. I feel as though my request was reasonable, especially seeing as we have communicated through email. He has an email, he's capable of using email, but he essentially refused my request to speak via email. Very frustrated and then did an annual inspection and I just, <sighs> frustrating. So on the whiteboard, it was from an angry place, from a frustrated place, as opposed to logic-based. The words I used were more emotion-based, assumption-based, and that's okay. For the whiteboard, that's the drawing board. The initial 
electrical impulse in the brain to ink on a board. So there is a transition. There's a translation that occurs when a thought is moved from the yellow zone inside my brain to the pink zone on the board. And then to the green card where it undergoes a different stage of evolution where one of the goals is to put a positive twist on things, to be cognizant of the tense being used. Is it logic-based? Um, I, I run it through a whole gamut of algorithms and uh, tests. And with my frustration for the landlord refusing to communicate with me through email, I changed it to importance slash value of fulfilling a request. Feel as though my request was denied. So this is a positive spin on that. Fulfilling a request exhibits respect for the other person involved. So it's saying, oh, this is a preference? Sure, I will fulfill this request. So exhibits respect for others. Also adaptability in situations. It shows, okay, uh, there is a preference. I, as another human, am able to adapt to that preference shows flexibility rather than rigidity. The landlord, there is that rigidness where it feels like he has to come to the front door to tell me anything, which is disruptive for my work <laughs> and frustrating. And there I go. I'm just getting all frustrated and upset. Oh, it's so irritating. Okay. We are talking about fulfilling a request. How it shows adaptability in situations, especially in a business sense. I want to do business with people who are adaptable. If a person is rigid and unable to bend and flex to situations, then they are less useful. Fulfilling a request also offers a humble perspective by giving pleasure to a requester. It feels good to fulfill a request. If somebody desires something, to fulfill that desire creates a positive peace in a karma cycle. It gives pleasure when fulfilling a request to both parties involved. Fulfilling a request shows beneficial communication skills. And I think what this sparked from is a hindrance of communication, just communication going to shit. So when requests are fulfilled, there is a beneficial component to the communication. Modality of communication sometimes is as important as the communication itself. So be conscious and cognizant of the modality of the communication. When the request is fulfilled, it creates a likelihood future requests will be fulfilled as well. Offers validation for the re requester. It says, hey, the request is to send an email. Sure, I'll send an email instead of being intrusive and banging on the metal door and disrupting an occupation, I will offer validation. <laughs> Exhibits an increased IQ and EQ. So an increased intelligence and emotional intelligence by fulfilling a request. Uh, and this goes back to the adaptability and uh, beneficial com component to communication skills. So it shows, hey, this person has specific parameters. I, as an individual, may not fully understand all of the other things that are going on, but intelligence allows me to recognize there are variables 
outside of my understanding, especially on the emotional intelligence level. Fulfilling a request, I think, shows emotional intelligence to say that, you know, simply that I don't fully understand all the variables of another person's life. If email communication is preferred, I will fulfill that request because a preference was stated. So I think that exhibits high, uh, especially emotional intelligence, whereas someone who lacks emotional intelligence may say, you know, no. I have to be obtrusive and bang on the door and interrupt recordings and all of these things. <laughs> Fulfilling a request also may show critical thinking and ability to problem solve. In fulfilling a request, there is critical thinking. There was a request made, certain parameters were offered, and there's a thought process which is involved with fulfilling the request. I guess kind of what this boils down to is acting rather than doing nothing. Doing nothing doesn't take critical thinking. Fulfilling a request does. There were parameters and then fulfilling those parameters. And if for some reason the fulfillment of the request cannot and will not be fulfilled, to vocalize an alternative. So for this particular one, I have requested email communication multiple times and no alternative has been presented. I didn't receive something saying, no, this needs to be that, you know, it's so frustrating. So if a request is going to be denied, vocalize an alternative, offer some sort of solution and negotiate. Uh, remember that each human interaction has different variables. So simply because one communication style works well in one situation, that doesn't mean that it will work awesome in every situation. So take things in terms of fulfilling a request in a case-by-case -case basis. If the request is unmeetable, vocalize an alternative. Big part of negotiation, vocalize an alternative rather than just saying no. Okay, and that is fulfilling a request. Ah, uh, yeah, that's uh, I think about it for today. And Mustachio um, and I will be working on the cognition cards. So we're very excited to see how they turn out. And um, that is a part of the chart card for this week. So cranking out cognition cards. Woo-ha. All right, Mustachio and I would like to wish everyone health, happiness, and a humbled perspective. Diligence today equals a thriving community tomorrow. Enjoy.